The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is March 8th. There's less than five weeks left in the uh, in the season, and there is a whole lot going on, including the question of whether to keep the season going or not. Where do you yeah. want to start? Uh, well, uh, let's start off. I, I want to start off quick because they already had the meeting, so kind of a quick little recap with the GM meetings that took place in Florida. Go, go, go. Uh, just a quick couple of things they discussed. My understanding was four topics. Uh, number one being the offside, the dreaded offside rule. Number two being, uh, thanks to David Ayers, the e-bug uh, rule, the emergency backup goaltender. They talked about uh, the ca- the salary cap. And they also talked about uh, the, the the puck tracking and player tracking. Now, puck tracking, player tracking is just analytics and information. They are going. They decided they are going to use it uh, come the playoffs and going forward. So they're hoping to extrapolate data and information, and, and it's going to be great for the fans. It's going to be great for the teams to evaluate information. I mean, wonderful uh, salary cap has a potential to go up but they didn't hash out any real numbers but potential is for it to go up to 88 and somewhere in the range of 85 to 88 million or 86 to 89 million something like that i've seen yeah. different numbers and i've seen i've seen some people saying that that 88 number is just impossible based on the actual cap structure um i guess it's going to depend in part on what the players agreed to for escrow. Um, I, think they also, I think it also has to take into account that there's going to be a 32nd team in the NHL and what kind of revenue they're expecting that to bring in. There is that. And I, I don't know that we can, that we actually can safely project that they don't have a name yet. They haven't sold a single Jersey t-shirt or a box of popcorn. Um, based on, based on, Based on the way they they've done uh, season ticket sales and whatnot, there is interest. But how do you gauge it? I mean, with with Vegas, it was ridiculous the way people took up the season tickets that were available. I don't think that Seattle's matched that veracity. And I don't the, think that they that will. Seattle is a very different town. Um, but they are they do have hockey town they they I, I think they truly do want a hockey franchise and they will support it. They're an amateur hockey town at this point. They have a couple of uh, WHL teams uh, in the area but I I said it with Vegas you still have to show me. Show me what the attendance is and like in 5 years. And that's my thing is is it, when they were going to Vegas, we ta- we talked about it, you know what were the what were the ex- realistic expectations? Is it? I mean, Vegas. When you mention Vegas to people, it's a town of tourists and gamblers. Uh, well, people who are gambling are going there to gamble to enjoy the the strip. Uh, we and didn't shows. 
they were going, and, they're going for their, and shows. Their it's a it's become a family destination over the years. I mean, it used to be strictly just going there to hit the strip, and now it's become more of a family thing. You look at the the expanse of the strip and some of those casinos and the and the the, the attractions that they have and everything. It's become a family thing, but it's still a tourist attraction. We didn't consider or see the breadth of the fan base of the people that actually live there and it has been they have been voracious about it they sell out that arena it's it, it's ridiculous are we going to see that in seattle we'd like to i don't know that we're going to but i do believe that they have a fan a solid fan base that will support it uh i'm i'm much more cautious i think i'm more cautious just based on the number of people i've had contact with from Seattle um, over than I was about Vegas. Vegas, I thought at least no matter what, they're going to have tourists coming in from all over the world. Not all of whom are going to be gamblers. Not all of whom are going to want to see whichever three singers are in residence there um, and doing nine shows a week. Um, And I thought they were going to be able to at least maintain, you know, 50% attendance, 70% attendance, even if they were legitimately terrible. Um, now come now comes the tricky part for Vegas, though, because unfortunately for Oakland fans, the Raiders are no longer in Oakland. Now it's very real that they are the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, it was just a a concept. It was just a, you know a, a thought. Yes, they're coming here eventually. Well, it's for real now. Are they going oh, yeah. to be able to sustain two? professional franchises in two that winter sports two winter sports in an area that has a desert right around the corner a desert and <laughs> no it's it, it's not around the corner vegas <laughs> is a desert there's literally uh i was out there 2013 right downtown there is a 40 there was a 44 acre piece of land available that had nothing but rock, sand, and like, and like, not even knee-high scrub, it, like literal desert. And yet nobody. Well, the, I, I, nobody's thought to put a baseball team or a basketball team in Las Vegas. Yes, they have UNLV. Yeah, but that's a college. Uh, you know, it, it, it. There's no summer sports in a state and in a city where. It's summer weather, like, what, 10 months of the year? Do they get snow in Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's going to be the anti Winnipeg. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's going to be very interesting to see how they support two winter sports and professional franchises. Uh, So the salary cap was a discussion. The emergency backup rule, thanks to David Ayers, more people know more about the emergency backup goaltender than I can imagine anybody ever expected they should or would need to know. Uh, But basically they've just decided to leave it alone and, and and play it just the way it is. The one thing they did, one thing Gary Bettman did say is that they are going to require the backup, the emergency backup goaltenders to go through a physical 
and make sure that they are actually in shape. I don't know why that he would need to mention that. He even said David Ayers appeared to be in very good shape. I mean, is there some question? Is there is somebody's emergency backup goaltender? Uh, uh, I don't I know. Put two and four hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I, seriously, I don't know. I I imagine that they 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 clearly keep themselves in shape. David Ayers is a practice goaltender for Toronto. He he's he's probably got more knowledge of Austin Matthews and, and his shot selection than the regular goaltenders on the team. <laughs> that may well be true. And then the last but most prescient thing that they talked about was the offside rule. And it would appear that even though it's got to go through layers of uh, layers upon layers of, of hockey uh, personnel, it would appear that we're finally going to get the change that we've been looking for, and they are going to make it, uh, or hope to make it, like the NFL's end zone line, end zone where you only have to break the plane if your skate is off the ice, but over the blue line, you are still on side. And so how you're much saying more exciting finally, will that be? You're saying that they they finally decided to do something that literally every fan figured out made way more sense 15 years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, they might be a little slow, but they eventually come around. I, uh, <laughs> they, I let's get this right. You know, <laughs> like I'm not going to complain since it will probably save us at least 12 or 15, uh, um, replays a, a season, uh, just watching any single team. But for the love of poop, what in the hell took so long? Uh, I've been scouring the internet looking for the actual reason as to why, but nobody will actually admit to it's why it took so long. It's tradition and it's inertia. <laughs> those, are, those are the reasons. Those are the actual reasons you don't need to look any further. Um, I, I mean, chances are, and it says right here in the NBC Sports Network, uh, written by James O'Brien, um, Chances are there will still be plenty of instances of eye rolling worthy eye roll worthy reviews, as offside versus onside could still be up to plenty of debate. Even so, any tweak that might not force officials and telecasts to study small differences with Zapruder film rewinds would be good for our collective mental health. <laughs> well written, James. Well written. Thank you, James. <laughs> uh <clears throat> Going back to the goal scoring that the league claims to want more of and that this might actually help with, Mika mm-hmm. Zabinijad did something you don't see very often, and I'm not sure anyone actually expected from him at the NHL level after all these years. Uh, I'll be honest, I never expected it out of him. Five-goal game. And we're talking five legit goals. He looked like he looked like a pure 40-goal-a-season sniper. Uh, on these goals. It was absolutely his night. Um, and honestly, there's been very, very few bright spots for the Rangers this year. And no, they're, they're making a push. I don't know. They're, they're not making it in, and it would be bad for the long-term development of the team to, to make it in. On the other hand, it seems to be a tradition for the Rangers to never 
build rebuild the team. They just sort of throw fresh pieces at it until it until they're sure it's not going to miss the playoffs for two years. Um, and that's it because, but five goal game, um, I'm not going to knock it. I mean, only the third player in, uh, in Rangers franchise history to have a five goal game. I'm not, I, I really, I mean, just looking at how long the Rangers have been in the league, you would think maybe they'd have two or three more. I mean, going back through the 80s, the 70s, uh, this is a, this is an original six franchise, yes. and yet he's only number three. Well, five goals, uh, take it from somebody five who's goals played, is ridiculously hard. five goals is ridiculously hard to score yes. <laughs> in one game. I mean, you're talking, you're talking things have got to fall the right way. Uh, yeah, at some point, it, it. I don't want to say it's like basketball, but at some point, yeah, they're gonna start, gonna start feeding the hot hand. That's how Nolachari got his hat trick earlier, one of his hat tricks earlier in the season. You know, they recognize that okay, he's got his touch tonight. You know, we'll keep feeding him the puck. Uh, somebody like Pasta may someday score five goals in a game because he just has that scorer's touch. I, I didn't but, expect it out of Zibanejad. He never showed me anything in his time, either with Ottawa or with New York, that he was going to be able to put in five in one game. But more power to was, him. This was five against the Washington Capitals. So it wasn't like he was picking on some bottom feeder. Oh, wait. Well, Brent Holby was in that? Uh, I don't remember who was in that that night. <laughs> um, whoever it was, it probably wasn't their best night. Um, and, and probably don't have that video on, on replay in the house, you know, when they walk into the trophy room, I I'm guessing, uh, it may be a little bit delayed, uh, in, in getting to that spot. Yeah. Like I said, congratulations to him. It's not an easy task, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And the fifth goal came actually came in overtime. So he had the game winner. Uh, in that game, five goals on eight shots. Simply ridiculous. That should be a, a clue to those uh, like Denton Heinen. And well, I think Duclair's learned that lesson. But yeah, you need to shoot the puck more. <laughs> if you're playing 15 plus, if you're playing 13 plus minutes a night as a forward and you don't get at least two shots on that, you're wasting ice time, period. It's that simple. I was thinking three. <laughs> three, three would be great, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. A minimum, any forward should finish the season with like 170 shots. It's just the way. Like, if you want to be a 20 goal scorer, you're playing in a top six, top nine role. That's that's like the bare minimum. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. As far as the rest of the topic there about the Rangers, I'm sure that's something we can visit another time. But, yeah, they hung on to – if you think about it, they hung on to Kreider. They didn't make a whole lot of deals to send people away. No. They, as I said, they don't ever re- actually rebuild. Like, go if you roll back to when the Boston Bruins uh, got Joe Thornton and uh, Sergei Samsonov in that draft – Mm-hmm. They were terrible for two years before that. 
three years before that. They legitimately bottomed out so they could get a couple of good, um, good uh, drafts in, get rid of the bad attitudes, the bad players, and the bad contracts so they could move forward. I think that have not done that that I recall in my lifetime. Uh, I'd have to dig a little deeper, but I don't recall. Yeah, and and to be honest, as much as people don't like it, and yeah, up in Detroit, they're probably screaming this, but I do believe that at some point, you know, everything is cyclical. At some point, yes, you're at the top now, but at some point, you're not going to be at the top, and you're going to have to stop and restock and rebuild and work your way up again. It's It's going to happen. I don't see that it's plausible for any one team to sit at the top forever in a day. Basketball is different. Yeah, I know we got the Celtics, 17 titles, whatever. But as far as hockey goes, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's you don't know where the talent's coming from. I mean, seventh-round picks become all-stars and Hall of Famers. First-round picks become duds. I mean, you, it's... It, I don't want to say it's a total crapshoot, but sometimes it is because you draft a kid based on his stats and everything that you learned about him, and then he hits the NHL level, and suddenly it's, oh, wait, he's great at the minors, but he's terrible when it comes to to, to top-flight hockey. And some guys take three years to develop versus being NHL-ready. Some guys take five years before they hit their NHL stride, and... Other guys, you flat out don't have the right chemistry mix for them. You mentioned Nolachari a minute ago. He w- he played here in Boston. He did everything that was needed in that role as a, as a fourth liner. He's a 20-goal scorer with the Panthers. <laughs> or Brett Connolly. Brett Connolly was drafted high. He flamed Horrible. out. Flamed out. Multiple places. Um, he went to... He was here. He went to Washington. Um, has he ever even hit 25 goals? I don't uh, think he has. And we're now talking eight years into his career. Uh, yeah, at least. He hit 22 goals uh, last year. Um, he played his first season in 2011. No, 2000. Uh, yeah, 2011-12. So he's been around the league nine years. 22 goals says that uh, for Washington last year says that he's you know they weren't wrong. He wasn't wrong to be. Dra- it wasn't wrong to draft him, but drafting him what was it sixth overall? Sixth in overall 2010, in 2010. Yeah, that was a reach. Not that that was a great draft. No, and some drafts and, and some drafts are definitely better than others. This year, he's he's gonna he's probably he's gonna, gonna come twenty again. He's gonna come close to what he did last year. He had twenty two. He's currently sitting on eighteen. Uh, his assists are down by double digits. He's got ten less than he did last year. Uh, so he's gonna come close in points. He should hit the goal mark and 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 with. 11, 12, how many games they have left, uh, 68, uh, 14 games left. He should be surpassed. I mean, he should come close, yeah. And that's – no- we were talking about shots with him with uh, earlier. 
he's got a he's got a reasonably good shot. He's it's thirteen point nine percent on his career in four hundred and ninety five games. Fifteen point seven this year. Dude, shoot more. Put some effort in. Get the, get the skates moving. It's not hockey does not become more complicated at the NHL level than it was at the no. It's just by high school age. High it's school just age. faster. It's just it's faster, faster and faster. more physical and <laughs> it's just faster and the the level of competition rises. It, it's <sighs> but no no Lachari, sixty five games this year sixty five. So apparently they don't have 14. They have like 13 in 60 games with the Bruins two years ago. He scored 10 goals. Yeah. In 60 games this year, 65 games. He's doubled that. He's also getting significantly more ice time. He's also playing scary enough. He's been top line, second line. He's playing top six positions. Oh, yeah. With the Florida Panthers. He's had Huberto. He's been on a line with, with Trocek, Huberto. Uh, <laughs> 18.9 shooting percentage this year. 18.9. <laughs> and not uh-huh. completely terrible in faceoffs. 48.3 this year, 49.6 last year. Uh, and he's he's actually one of the few players – well, he, he's actually got a positive uh, plus-minus, which – we would expect because he really is a very, very solid two way player. He's a good um, one. Yeah. They, they tend to, they tend to like their 200 foot two way players here in Boston. It, it's it, anyway, I, I didn't want to get yeah. that far off track, but it, with the with the Rangers. Yeah. They're, they're young kids. And no, let's delve into it next week. Cause I could, Go on and on we, yeah, with the we young kids. Go on there. to rebuilding and non-rebuilds. Um, okay, uh, really quick question. Sure. Have you ever heard a certain segment of Boston's fans say that game was Rask's fault? Uh, first of all, you're talking blasphemy here in Boston. Just because I might blame... A lot of things on Tuca. No, around here, nobody says it's Tuca's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And it's amazing how many people and how fast everyone gets thrown under the bus when Rask has a, good, uh, a bad game. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't – I have not picked on Rask much this season. He's, for the most part, had a good season. Last night was one of his worst games in a couple of years. Period. The first two goals, were they shorthanded goals? Yes. But he was playing small. He never really moved to challenge to challenge the uh, skater and give them uh, give them a moment to think about or overthink about what angle to pick. He played small. He didn't he never stopped any pucks in the corner. Um, So three of those goals last night, flat out on him. Had he been in any way a potential, had he played like a potential NHL goaltender last year, it would have been 3-1 going into the third last night. Very different game. Now, 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 two of those goals were scored when the other team was shorthanded. 
Yes, he was terrible. He was so. It's was clearly terrible. not his fault. It's clearly the four players in front of him that need to take the burden of the blame. Clearly, oh. you can't you can't be going around besmirching the good name of Tuka Rask. Not on this show. All right, I tried to say that with a straight face. That didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. I was waiting for you to laugh because I was very nearly laughing and crying. I tried, I tried to but say it with a straight face. It didn't work. I was told, uh, <laughs> I was told on Facebook uh, very, very, very recently that there were 18 bad players on the power play for the Boston Bruins last night. 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty certain I've never actually seen a power play that had 18 players on it. Uh, and I think counting both units and their alternates, you're not at more than 13 skaters. There's so 18, it's 18. 18, 18 bad players on a power play. Yes. Um, it must've been counting somebody from the other team. That, 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 that must be what it is. When you're I, I don't scores three goals. <laughs> And supposedly an elite player. Okay, I got I, I found a little piece. You should win. You should win. That, yes, yes, I agree. Yes. And we're not gonna and, and it, yes, Tuka one of them was at least one of the ones I saw was a rather soft goal, and if Tuka didn't say he wanted it back, I'd have to uh box him about the head and shoulders because it was horrible. Uh Matt Kalman wrote a piece on the 6th about Halak could be playing his last games for the Bruins. And I'm just using it for this one little line in here. Or uh, Halak has won his past seven decisions. Since he joined the Bruins on July 1st, 2018, he's seventh among all NHL goaltenders that have at least 30 wins with a 921 save percentage. Care to guess where Tuca is? Eighth. Very good. Eighth with a 920. <laughs> like, like people keep saying that you know Rask is the best goaltender in the league, and I'm like, he's not even the best goaltender in Boston. Thank you. Like, legitimately, <laughs> that's a... two uh, his last two backup theoretical backups have been better goaltenders than him. And and, yeah, and actually leads the league in save percentage right now. And it actually mentions that uh, in the same amount of time. Uh, Anton Hudobin has a 926. So all of the Rask walks on water nonsense? Uh, well, technically he skates on frozen water, so. Ladies and gentlemen, it's supposed to be puff, puff, pass, not coke for the entire 60-minute game. Plus intermission. I just I don't get it. I mean, and and yes, Tuca's around for uh, this Ever. the rest of this season. No, the rest of the season and next season are it for his contract. Is, is he'll is that get enough? extended. Do I'm we believe it. he'll get I'm extended? Calling it. He'll get extended. I don't think we can afford that if we're going to bring you know Krug and and. Have you seen any signs that they're bringing Krug in? I mean, Mark Brooks, one of our uh, listeners. Oh, was that segue beautiful or what, by the way? Yes, it was. Uh, Mark Brooks has asked us about uh, the value of Krug to the team. We've talked about it off and on. Um, 
And if one they of don't the rumors pay, out there, <laughs> one of the rumors out there is that Krug wants forty nine million over six years, which works out to eight point one six six and trailing digits a uh, million a year. I have two words for uh, to describe what I think of this deal. Pay the man. Two words. Pay him. Oh, well, pay I, him. I use three pay words. Him. Sorry. Pay him. Open yes, market. Why? He's getting north of nine. Open market. Tuker, uh, nine. Wow. Break is getting north of nine. Another year where he is in the top ten in uh, in points for defensemen. There's no one in the system who comes close. Unless you're going to go out and unless you're a hundred percent sure you can sign Petriangelo this summer and draft a top flight offensive defenseman in the first or second round next year. No. Just no. Pay him. That's um. It. Oh, well, now, uh, yeah, I, I other, use three words. The other words, part of Mark's question, uh, the other part of Mark's question, uh, yes. first anyways, is values compared to Grizzly. They uh, are different players. And you, now, you, now you're getting into what I was going to You want to pay the man, and I completely agree. I don't know if, I don't know if, if I'm sure that Matt has, I'm, I'm sure he has a number in his head. I haven't seen anything published as far as what he might or might not want. Matt will but, get somewhere around what <clears throat> what uh, I think that if you're looking at the contracts that were signed last summer or really last fall because it took Sweeney that long to get it done. Thanks, Don. Don, um, you're look. That's that's the numbers you're looking at. You're looking around the three mark for if uh, unless it's yeah. unless it's a long term deal. Like if they go and sign him to a seven year contract. I could see them. I could see them going five million um, over seven years, or five and a quarter over eight years, uh, because I don't think I, I don't know that Grizz is gonna. I think Grizz is gonna want a slightly shorter because he's gonna want a chance to improve those numbers. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, but, I think that watching him and watching the way he played last night. I mean, I t- I tweeted it out. Had, his, um, that two on one, and he broke up. I mean, Kucherov of all people on a two on one, and he just last year's MVP. What? Last, last year's, year's MVP? MVP? Oh yeah, and he just he just stood him up, took the puck away. Sorry, thanks. Bye bye. Uh, it was it was beautiful. It, Grizzy has been uh, on top of his game. They've paired him up with uh, the youngster Jeremy Lozon, who, by the way, another one that really looks good i like watching him he's gritty he's not afraid of anyone uh, <laughs> and he's actually strong in the defensive zone oh uh, and he's i mean he's physical yes <laughs> he, he's not he's not playing dirty but he hits he th- he will rub you out like you don't see guys genuinely rubbing I mean, guys out along the board anymore and i he know does you it. I know you don't want to hear this because you like the man, and I don't. It's not that I dislike the man, but he's making Kevin Miller not necessary. Uh, you know what? Kevin Miller is 32 years old. Uh, it's okay that he's unnecessary. He hasn't played in a year. 
Um, but you were talking about if he comes back, he has to play this. And and I'm not saying he doesn't. I mean, I would, Kevin Miller. I, I'm is, saying that he has to play ahead of John Moore. That's that's. Oh, it. okay. Wait a minute. Uh, I have not yeah. said. I have not said any time in the last six months that he needs to play ahead of Grizzly. There's a big difference. <laughs> John, but, uh, people playing ahead of John Moore, that list is long and distinguished. <laughs> but it, it just just setting value for Grizzly. Um, Brandon Carlo, who we all adore his playoff. Brandon his Carlo play is underpaid. And he's, Carlo, gonna... he's underpaid, flat out. In 297 games, he has 51 points. That's Matt Grizzlick in 196 games has 53 points. Uh, as not far an as, as, no, no, no. as far as young defensemen for a defensive game, yeah, Carlo first. We can argue whether Grizzlick or uh, or McAvoy is better defensively, and I think in different parts of the ice, the answer is different. But if we're going to talk about the two um, as far as defense, I genuinely give the edge to Grizzlick as far as be- being better than McAvoy in multiple areas of the ice. Um, and he's also... Grizzlick has also played a lot more of his career on his offside and has played with more partners already than, than uh, McAvoy has. He's played with Clifford Moore, Krug. He's played with Lozon. He's played with, I want to say he played with, um, Oh God. The, uh, they, the they paired him up with Camper. They had him with paired Camfer, up with Camper. With Camper. Um, uh, McAvoy has basically played with Chara, Chara or Grizzlick and occasionally with Krug, and that's it. And he hasn't had to adjust to as many players or play as offside. And there isn't even an adjustment playing with Grizzlick. They played at Boston University. They were paired up, yeah. and it was Grizzlick who allowed McAvoy to be the more offensive defenseman because Grizzlick was stronger defensively. And arguably remains so. Yes. Um, I just I, I think that they need to put yeah, they need to pay they need to pay the man when it comes to Toy Grug. And, and Matt offensively, offensively he's closer to what McAvoy is producing. Um so a a three point two, three point three for two or three years. I'm I'm ha- I'm fine with that. I'm I'm Easily. okay with that. Um, is it what I think he would get on the open market? No. Would I, I would I be greatly amused to see? Well, would the would the hockey commentator in me be greatly amused to see someone offer sheet him? Absolutely. Um, Who Grizz? Do I? Yes. Do I think it's actually going to happen? No, because the uh, offer sheet is a dead letter. Yeah, no, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I, I think that open market, I think you would see offers of three and a half. Yeah. And it depends on where, like if, if if it's absolute open market, all for all 31 teams, I think that Detroit might actually throw forward him because they desperately need the defense and he can skate. Um, I think that even Pittsburgh would throw money at him because 
well, he'd arguably be their best defenseman. <laughs> uh, stepping off the plane, he would be their best defenseman. In Toronto, uh, getting on the plane, he would be their best defenseman. <laughs> uh, the other mailbag question is also from uh, Mark Brooks. What's wrong with the officials this year? Same thing that's wrong with the officials every year, Mark. <laughs> I guess, wait, is, there, is there any context to that question? Uh, just, just ask for mailbag questions, but... Um, I actually think I have a reasonable answer for this. You know okay. how there's we're heading into we labor discussions have been on the board for a couple of years. They announced that they weren't extending the current labor agreement, our uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, last year or the year before because mm-hmm. they were close to an agreement. Okay. My hunch, my hunch is that part of the reason the officials have been so hands off and there have been so few suspensions for what anybody impartial can see have been blatant headshots is that the league is trying probably futilely not to provoke the players into pushing harder for more power. Um, and external negotiation or external administration of uh, of uh, supplementary discipline. I think that they're the league is genuinely afraid of having someone else do uh, overseeing, you know, suspensions and fines and things like that. And oh, they're just so making getting, a hands so- off. So getting an independent uh, arbitrator to hand out suspensions is not going to happen. Or or review them. I, I genuinely – like we saw Brad Marsh and tweet a couple of – or last year um, about, uh, fine, about things that he's been fined for and suspended for that other players have gotten away with. We saw Vander Kane do it this year. And, um, and, and he's – and I hate to say it. Yeah, or I don't hate to say it. I – I think he's right. I think they uh, need Vander somebody. Was 100% right. Thank you. But of the four major sports, none of them do it that way. The NHL is not going to be the first to make that sort of change. They're just not. That is more of an NBA, maybe, maybe Major League Baseball type of move. The NFL, uh, the NFL is has its own license to print money. They don't care what the players think. They will get rid of you even if you're a star, because they know that they can make they can turn someone else into a, as big a star without trying. It, okay. Uh, so no, I don't I don't see the officiating getting any more consistent, um, or any more, and the penalties becoming any more penalties both on ice and supplementary any more sensible any time before the next uh, collective bargaining agreement is signed and enacted well from what i'm from what i'm seeing now because they nobody did anything uh, the current cba now expires in september of 2022 yes the year which will be the year after vegas i mean seattle joins yes 
So Seattle gets one year under the current CBA and then has their life upturned. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, for for Seattle, this could be the worst possible situation. They could they could come into the league have and regardless of whatever year they have, there could be a lockout because there's no labor agreement. I mean, it would be bad for every franchise. That's not it. Would it may well kill them before uh, they even before they really even get their you know yeah get their their motor going. I mean, one year in the NHL and then oh here's a lockout. Ouch. Yeah. I, I yeah, and I'm sure we can delve into the CBA a lot more. Uh, thoroughly at some point in time or maybe we revisit it in the summer sounds like a summer topic yeah that's what i'm thinking what's next but as far as no i was just gonna say as far as what's wrong with the referees um aren't there a bunch retiring at the end of the season and maybe they just want to get there (laughs) i don't have a really good answer for him so i'm sorry mark i don't have a great answer for you uh let's go with mike's and and we'll stick with that for now <laughs> Where else can we go today? Um do we really I don't really want to talk about it, but uh unfortunately it's all over the news whenever I turn on the television. Uh the flu bug that's currently going around otherwise known as coronavirus. Uh, it's been well. It I like I said I and I told you this before we we when we were doing pre-show stuff. I don't want to delve into it as far as what it is, what it does, how it it's. But unfortunately, it is affecting sporting events around the world. Uh, in Italy, for instance, soccer matches they're they're most likely going to be playing them with nobody nobody in the stands, and we're talking about eighty thousand seat arenas where they play soccer and. To play a match with zero people in the stands, just uh, the question came up of what does that mean for home field advantage? You know, you, you're playing and you're playing at your own stadium. Say Bruins are playing in Boston at TD Garden, and instead of seventeen thousand raucous screaming fans, the building jumping, you know, and like last night, you're playing in front when, of a practice crowd essentially. Would the game have been – how much different would the game have been last night if there was no fans? Last night's Lightning Bruins game? <sighs> yes. I don't <sighs> – the, the, I mean – Those two teams I, don't like each other. They really I understand don't. that. So I'm not sure that particular game would have been that much different. But if you're talking about the average, I don't know, Columbus Blue Jackets versus Anaheim Ducks game – yeah, uh, with no one to show off for, no cheers, no, no, uh, no interruptions for hat tricks uh, with uh, head with hats all over the ice. Um, so it basically, it comes down to uh, the Florida Panthers owner uh, Vincent Viola has already come out and said that he would rather have. He would rather have games suspended, have the season suspended, than play in front of empty, play in front of an empty building, or play in an empty building. I don't like that idea at all. 
Um, I, I mean, neither one is an optimal solution, but I think losing the momentum, uh, whatever momentum there is of the, of the regular season, um, and into the playoffs simply, uh, it simply can't be allowed to happen. The, the NHL has had too many stoppages for, I, uh, I, no, it, it just it can't be allowed. I don't like it either. But uh, Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta has come out and said, "I don't think you ever want to play games in front of no audiences." Uh, I, I, the idea of playing right. games without fans is never going to work. "Quote unquote." I have they seen uh, the World Junior Games? I mean. Uh, I've been to we've been to college games where there's how much would, where there are crowds that would barely fill uh, a, a high school arena, much less. How much different you know, is that Northeastern BU final if the crowds aren't in it, if there's no crowds in there? If there's no crowds in it, it's probably a quieter game. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, as far as but on ice, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a super chippy game. Um, it wasn't, uh, people weren't showing off, showing off. Uh, I think you're more likely to see slightly more workman games. Um, but there's, when you come right down to it, it doesn't matter what market you're in. There's probably 55 people watching for every person in the arena in a town with terrible ratings in a, in a place like Boston or New York or even, uh, or any of the Canadian markets, it's probably closer to a thousand to one, two thousand, three thousand to one. But so, and does it the, create an atmosphere? Yes. The argument that the argument that you're making, as far as it, it seems to be, what they make the argument that was being made uh, as far as the soccer thing, it, it's still a home field advantage because you're playing on your home turf. But I'm sorry, having played. It, 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 you feed off the audience, whether you think that the, the whether you think that those guys on the ice can hear you or not, they can. And they oh, feed I'm off sure that. And, and, and it, that that energy is palpable. They feed off that energy. So playing a home game, even if it's Columbus against Anaheim and Columbus is the home team or Anaheim is the home team, they feed off that energy. That's why they make comment. That's why you hear the 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 talking heads calling the games talk about this is a really quiet building. How many times has Jack said the crowds, you know, it, it, you could hear a pin drop or, or the, the crowd's really quiet. The team feeds off that energy. If the crowd's not there, it's going to affect the, uh, it's going to affect the game and could potentially affect the outcome of the game. It, so yeah, it, I, I don't want to see us suspend play. I mean, if they suspend play for a week, it's one thing, but I don't want uh, to see them suspend it for any length of time. No, uh, I, but I think that I think that the empty buildings is a less bad option than suspending play, because I think that you're the you're you're bringing you're ra- you're raising the chances of injury by compressing uh, the schedule. Uh, if you say you, say say all games are suspended for two and a half weeks, that's ten games. I think that I think that's too long. That's roughly 10 games you need to find space to play. So you're pushing the playoffs back to starting in May. 
and ending the end of July. So <laughs> players have like anyone who goes to the uh, to the uh, to the finals has a month, a month and a half before they're gearing up for training camp. Gives gives new term to the meaning playoff hangover or Stanley Cup yeah. hangover. I mean, even the teams that are going to the Eastern Conference final, I mean, and you're going to be talking about four of the teams that are the most talked about in the league um, are going to have greater injury issues. You're going to have players who just don't get uh, enough rest to even. I, I don't know. I, I the, Suspending play has absolutely got to be a last resort, even over I, playing empty buildings. I believe that too, and unfortunately, the you hate to bring it to dollars and cents, but suspending play, the loss of revenue, ouch. And yes, the loss of momentum to the team itself. The other, the other thing with coronavirus and the NHL, this is one place where the NHL has uh, actually taken somewhat of a stand, is that they've announced they are closing dressing rooms to the media. Uh, however, apparently this rule was applied to everybody except Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has already broken the rule and let media into the locker room. So <laughs> it depends on how much you want to believe in all of this as to whether – according to Gary Bettman, they are keeping up to date. They are in contact with CDC. They are in contact with experts around uh, – around the United States to main, to stay informed and make sure that they are out ahead of this if something does happen. Uh, I think that this not not allowing media in the dressing room is a small first step, and that's fine. Yeah, you can meet the media somewhere else. You don't have to come into the locker room where they are, uh, do interviews in the hallway or something, <sighs> wait until after they've showered and gotten dressed, whatever. Uh, or just not require interviews after every game. See, another I've, thought. I've never necessarily understood why you needed to have a bunch of cameras and media people running around a fairly closed, a fairly small space with thirty with twenty plus half naked guys who have just spent three hours exercising at high pace. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Um, so, okay, like I said, small step forward, and they're keeping on top of things. But the, the audience-free the audience free, audience free games is, uh, yeah, I don't want to see it, but I think I'd rather see that than a complete stoppage. Um, and honestly, I think not allowing the media in is literally throwing a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Um, but it's it, such it, a small level of interaction, even even given the number of media members in a place like New York or Boston or Montreal. It's such. No, it, like these guys are going through the airports, they're going out into the community. Half of them have uh, if you say that a third of the players have kids um, and a third mm-hmm. of the media members have kids or call it 50 percent. Uh, every one of them has numerous vectors for getting it and spreading it. It's, it's, it's a bandaid on a broken arm. 
The NHL has also implemented a policy where league office employees are banned from traveling outside of the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, a lot of companies have done that. Um, <laughs> and I, Biogen is one of the companies that's been hit hard. Um, and well, we they saw. had five. Yeah, they had five presumptive positives come back to Massachusetts. And I don't like I said, I don't want to delve into the whole coronavirus thing. I just what you brought it up. Well, I like I said, I wanted to just delve into its effect on sport. That's all, because unfortunately it is something that's happening. The only the other thing I'll say on this before we move on is that there were uh, apparently people who were told to quarantine in the Bay Area who went to a Sharks game anyways because quarantine and um, well, self-quarantine self building and large building full of thousands of people who are basically shoulder to shoulder and hip to hip yeah. uh, for six hours is apparently the same thing. If the, sure. if, the, if the sports teams want to do something useful, what they can say is, if you have a fear of coronavirus, we will return your cre- your tickets for credit for seats of equal value this season or next um, at no fee. Well, that's the other that thing. Would be, that would be a greater value to the community than the nonsense of, oh, we're not going to allow the media into the locker rooms. I'm just trying. No, no, no. But go ahead. Apparently, no, apparently, it, apparently they're talking about the NCAA turn, basketball tournament. They're going to play the first round or, or the two. I read it somewhere. They, they are actually going to play audience-free games, and it's just like, uh, it's not. It, no. It, and the thing is, is those the rounds that they're talking about playing – without audiences are going to be televised and they're not going to be matchups no. that anyone except the two schools maybe might want to go to. Unfortunately, they televise every round of the March Madness. They're all televised, even the play in games. Oh, they oh the play in games. Those are whatever. I, I don't like basketball to begin with. So what I just was- don't. It was their way of adding – it was their way of allowing every college in the country to actually play in the tournament. <laughs> yes, because uh, Merrimack, uh, Merrimack uh, absolutely needs to be playing on national television. All right. We need to move on. Uh, we, <laughs> what else do um, we have? Instead of talking about fevers that hit 100, um, how about we talk about Boston Bruins that might hit 100? Oh, sweet. How many Boston Bruins do we have hitting 100? Well, Pasternak is six points away from the 100 mark uh, as of right now. Okay. Um, so it's just about certain that he'll get his two goals to hit the 50 mark and four other points sometime in the in the remaining games. Um, and Brad Marchand is 14 points away. That one's going to be a little bit harder. Um, he's two goals away from yet another 30-goal season. Um what do you think of his chances of getting there? 14 points. Uh, what do they have? 12 game? uh, games. Yeah. He, I think he needs to stay. I think the first thing he needs to do is stay on the ice. He, he's got a no, no stupid penalties. No, I think he is. A, I think he has the potential to be a point per game player. And, 
going out on a thin limb, I'm going to say he makes it. He just gets to 100 points. Given the given the teams that they have left uh, this month, I, I'm going to say he's going to get there. Um, the next game is against Philly. Uh, there's a game Philly's against playing. Buffalo. Okay, yeah. There's a game against Toronto, whose defense and goaltending still aren't good. Columbus, Anaheim, who's ungood. Um, Los Angeles, enough said. I mean, he could get six points just in the California trip uh, because they're at Anaheim, then Los Angeles, then uh, San Jose in four nights. Depends on who the depends on who the uh, Kings play in net. Uh, the kid that they didn't trade, uh, Cal Peterson. Yeah, he's he's for real. Then uh, they have Detroit, um, uh, Ottawa. Ottawa uh, is uh, Ottawa is one of those scary teams that depending on they're offensively good. Their defense, eh, nah, not so much. Um, so honestly, just those five games between Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, Detroit, and Ottawa, I would have to put him at eight points for just those, just those five. Like if he plays the way he should. Like I said, I firmly believe that he can, that he will make it. Um, I think he's just going to make it. It's not like he's going to score. It's not like he's going to get to 110. No. I think he's he's going to get to 100, 101. But I think he will make it to 100 points. Like you said, pasta six points away. Uh, Yeah, he should be there fairly soon. But Brad, did he not make 100 points last year, if memory serves? It was the fact. He did it in a long time. It was the fact that he only had 99 penalty minutes was the was yeah, the question, whether he was going to make it a 100-100 season or not. He's only at 78 penalty minutes this year, so he's not really being penalized that much. We've seen 78? Him, we've seen him get a lot more penalties in the season than this. Uh, yeah. 78? What's with the new attitude, Brad? What's with the new attitude? Brad's had an uh, attitude adjustment this year. He doesn't want to get penalties. Either. Um, so that's interesting. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to happen. Oh, I may. I'm not. I'm not necessarily making the argument that it should happen, although it would be a fantastic yeah, but, story. But you're bringing it up. So fantastic story. Nah, fantastic story. Not going to happen. Um. But we could actually, maybe possibly, see a triple crown winner this year. Uh, well, it's possible. I mean, they do the, the you know the run for the roses and all that. It happens, it, it you know in May. So we I could am see talking a, about a thoroughbred, but I am not talking about a horse. Oh, I thought you were talking about you know the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby and. I can't I name all three, and neither should, and you shouldn't be able to either. It's not actually an American sport. <laughs> Fair enough. Go ahead. Triple crown winner away. We could see someone win the Norris, the MVP, and the Calder. Uh, John Carlson is not a rookie. 
you're right, he's not. Um, so he could possibly only win two of those. Yes. But some dude who everyone criticized for going back to college last year because he wasn't being assured of playing in the NHL, including Michael. Uh, nope, not that guy either. Um, this guy can actually stay healthy at the NHL level. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about the Michigan man, Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes. I was actually all for him going back to school. I didn't like the fact that he was trying to dictate terms to the team, but I thought he should have stayed in school another year regardless. I didn't think he was quite ready for the NHL. Uh-huh. Go wow, back and listen. that tune changed? Go back and listen, I'm telling you. So We have them all on file. He leads the race in scoring for uh, for all rookies. He's like fifth in scoring for defensemen. Mm-hmm. His team is almost certainly going to make the playoffs. Although, amazingly, no one has clinched a playoff spot yet in the NHL, which is terrifying because it is the 8th of... Uh, the 8th of March, and we don't actually have a bona fide NHL team. Uh, a, a team, even though the Bruins have 98 points, and they're seven points up on their nearest competition, and I think the lowest I've ever seen, the highest points I've ever seen someone not make the playoffs uh, in the East was like 96. They are mathematically not guaranteed a spot at this point. If they lost all of their games in regulation, it is still possible that they could not make the playoffs, okay. which is fascinating. But um, Vancouver Canucks are going to make it because they have JT Miller. Uh, they're going to make it because they have JT Miller. Um, Quinn Hughes. Uh, so. Calder Trophy, we've been talking about him all year long. Fifth yeah, among, and, and fifth among defensemen in scoring, kind of big. You, I mean, you can lead all rookies. That's great. But as far as your total league impact, until you hit that range, that top five range, mm-hmm. eh, you're useful. And that's about all that can be said. I don't have. I I don't have an argument. Against Quinn Hughes. I mean, unfortunately, Kel McCarr is currently uh, not playing because of an injury. And that would certainly make the Calder race that much more interesting that it's two defensemen vying for the trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference being that Kel McCarr... Yes, currently hurt, has 47 points, eighth in the NHL in scoring. Uh, two points behind Tory Krug, by the way. Yeah. But Kale McCarr is, and whether you like plus minus or not, Kale McCarr is a plus 11. Quinn Hughes is a minus 10. Kale McCarr played in the playoffs and regular season in the NHL last year. Quinn Hughes did not. Quinn Hughes played in the NHL. Uh, he did not play a single playoff game last year. For the... Kale McCarr came out last year and played in the uh, and played in the playoffs. Right. Got twenty plus games of high level NHL experience. Well, it's not it's not Quinn Hughes' fault 
that Vancouver did not make the playoffs last year, but he did play five regular season games with Vancouver last season. Five October games versus 24 April or 20 plus April games. Not even close. just finished saying that the NHL. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, yeah, you can't turn around and use it just for your, your benefit. It, 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 NHL is NHL. Nobody in the world, nobody in the world considers what happens in October anything like the level of NHL playoffs. Just stop. I mean, at this point, you're going to have a job at one of the right local radio stations if you keep that nonsense up. And I'd still be the most intelligent man on the radio. That's pretty scary. Ah, oh, wow. Um, that said. Just from the man who thinks that his own ego is, is too big to enter the room. Yes, you do. Thank Mine, you. on the other right. hand, is the appropriate size. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got two defensemen going at it. And, and I don't have a disagreement with Quinn Hughes making it. As far as the other two items... Uh, Norris Trophy, uh, not there yet with him. MVP. Excuse me? Hey, MVP. He's already better defensively than Brent Burns and or Eric Carlson was when they won their first uh, Norris Trophies. Yes, unfortunately this year no, the Norris no, no. Trophy. So the threshold, no. the threshold has been met. No, this the year the Norris Trophy the threshold has been met. Won it before. The threshold has been met. Beating Brent Burns is the, the threshold. Wow, that's low. <laughs> not the worst uh, defensive. Uh, not the worst defensive play for a guy in near the top of the league in scoring, and super duper important to your team. He's not getting the Norris can Trophy. We, can make me make an argument that there's someone on the on the uh, Canucks defense who is more important to the team. Go uh, ahead. I don't have to. Don't have to make that argument. He may be the most important on Vancouver to Vancouver, but unfortunately, there are 29 or 30 other NHL teams to consider, and John Carlson is going to either get the Norris Trophy or Roman Yossi. It's going to be a first-time winner for sure, but it's not going to be Quinn Hughes getting the Norris. Will he get one someday if he continues on this track? Absolutely. The realistically, the Preds are having one of their worst team or worst seasons in a, in half a decade. And maybe Yossi is the most important. Who's more important to their team in Nashville than Roman Yossi on that defense? Um, uh, is your argument Roman Yossi? I mean, you talked about plus minus a minute ago. Goal differential for Vancouver is fifteen better than it is for Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, one of these teams is actually competing like a playoff team, and the other one is simply not being as bad as some of the teams around them. And quite frankly, I think at this point, Winnipeg is going to win out and beat Nashville before that last playoff spot, and we're not seeing the Norris Trophy go to a guy whose team didn't make the playoffs. Okay. You're not going to give it. I, you can make your argument for Quinn Hughes. It's not going to fall to Quinn Hughes. I mean, you're going to make that argument. You're going to turn fall around and tell me that Tony D'Angelo should no, get no, it. No, no, no. Wait. 
fall to Quinn Hughes. So you're basically saying that even mentioning Quinn Hughes in connection with the Norris Trophy is an insult. That that's yeah, that's no, really what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, and no. Throwing Tony D'Angelo fall to Quinn mix, Hughes because there, there are, are not multiple are, other defensemen who deserve who are deserving. There are not. 200 NHL fans who could pick uh, Tony D'Angelo out of a crowd and you're comparing and him to and yet he and yet for the New York Rangers he's got one point more and again he's a plus 10 to Quinn Hughes minus 10 again can 200 fans actually pick him out of a crowd no not even in New York uh, good luck finding somebody around here who knows what Quinn Hughes looks like you're better off showing him Jack and you're better off showing him Jack's picture and say, hey, his brother plays, too. It's not going to happen. Um, sure, sure. We'll and as far as MVP goes, there are multiple other candidates. I would love to see it. Triple Crown is a it, it's a pipe dream. I don't I don't know that there's anybody going to win it in this day and age of hockey. But yeah, it would be a wonderful story. It's not going to happen. I he, he probably will mistaken. win. He probably will win the Calder. I'm not going to argue with that uh, unless Kel McCarr comes back roaring back. Uh, there's Dominic Kubalik, who's the best rookie that's not even going to get mentioned as a finalist. Yeah, because uh, Elvis Merlikins is back in the building, uh, healthy. Um, the other 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 Latvian has been sent back to the AHL. Um, Unfortunately, there's another rookie goaltender who's just not going to play enough games, but also plays for the New York Rangers and Igor Shesterkin. Uh, Igor's been around three or four years. So when have you seen him play in the NHL? Uh, he's been he's bounced. I thought he had played uh, at least two games in the past. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Could be wrong. Don't actually track the Rangers goaltenders that closely. Um, Unless his name is Lundqvist, I know. Well, he's he is your favorite, so I do talk about him whenever possible. My favorite. Wow. Okay, you need to slow your whatever you want to call it right there. <laughs> okay. Before we wrap the show... Uh, it's not too early to start talking about the top... Uh, three of uh, the top pending UFAs for this year. Um, who's on your list? Top three pending UFAs. Uh, yep. Tori Krug. I see. If he's not at the top of your UFA list, if he's not at the top of every GM's shopping list. Uh, Ahead of Alex Petrangelo. I love Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I guess they'd have to be one and two. Ahead uh, of multiple-time 30-goal scorer Mike Hoffman? Yes. I believe that solid defenseman Tori Krug, Petrangelo, uh, any other defense. I, I think that Taylor defensemen Hall? are harder to come by. Yeah, I think that they're more, I, I think that defensemen are more important than goal scorers. It's you can find goal scorers to put the puck in the net. Can you find prolific goal scorers? And I don't know if I call Hoffman a prolific goal scorer. Uh, 
I just feel that defensemen of the caliber of an Alex Petrangelo are more important and harder to find than a 20-goal scorer or a 30-goal scorer. Okay. Um, you, don't, ahead of, you don't feel that way. You'd rather go for I'm, goal scoring. I'm not answering that. I haven't answered that question. I'm asking you the question. Um, so you're putting him ahead of Robin Leonard because goaltending is very, very easy to find. Yeah, you know um, about goaltenders. All right, there you go. You're putting him ahead of uh, Anton Hudobin, who's uh, leading the league in save percentage right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm putting him ahead of Palak, too. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and so one more time, give us your three. One more time, give us my three. Robin Leonard, Petrangelo, Tory Krug. Goaltender and two defensemen. And I don't know why you have issues with this. You can sit there and try and explain it to me. Be my guest. I mean, you have you have been a champion of Jimmy Howard for years, and he doesn't even make your top three. You have talked about Yarrow Halak more than even I have over the last several years and not even a mention. Because Robin Leonard is going to be a number one wherever he goes. And if you're not smart enough to go and get him. If you need a number one, and I can think of teams that need a number one, Detroit, um, because I don't see him staying in Vegas unless they plan on moving on Marc-Andre Fleury, which I don't know that they're ready to just yet. Uh, Carolina could use Robin Leonard. As much as Reimer has had a resurgent career, a resurgent season this year, um, not as good as Leonard. So Carolina could use him. Devils could use him, although they're going to rely on Mac Blackwood, and Mac is a good young goaltender. Um, I think Detroit should certainly give him a look. If they don't, something's wrong. He's not going to go back to Buffalo. There are plenty of places where Leonard could land. Uh, yeah, I, I I will 100% agree that I don't think he's going back to Buffalo, <laughs> and I don't in any way blame him. No, I wouldn't go there either. Uh, it's not. It, 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 yeah, it would not be good. Uh, I am actually going to go with. Mm-hmm. For combination of health, uh, durability. And uh, I think needed position. I'm going to go with um, Evgeny Dadnov because right wings are just not easy to come by. Um, you know I'm going to go with. I think, and I think that he's less of a locker room poison than Mike Hoffman, or at least Mike Hoffman's girlfriend. Um, and I want to put Taylor Hall here, but his health has um, made it difficult for me to do so. Um, Petrangelo is just very slightly older than Krug and not as uh, uh, not as offensively gifted. So 
Mm, yeah, I think it's going to be Leonard and then Krug. Petrangelo has one more point than Tory Krug this season. At the moment. But he's two years old. And and plays four more minutes a night than Tory Krug. Your point? Well, you're making an argument that he's not as offensively gifted and, and, and his age. First of all, he's 30. Tory Krug's 29. Uh, he's played – no, Tory Krug's 29. He's played – Petrangelo has played seven more games this season, has four more uh, four more goals. Um, the He's a plus eight to Tory Krug's even zero. He shoots more. They have the same shooting percentage. He plays four more minutes a night. I don't uh, – I don't want to argue between one and two. They're both at the top of my list as far as defensemen go. And yes, Robin Leonard should be the number. If Robin Leonard isn't at the number one, as far as pending top pending UFAs, he's a goaltender. Like you said, Halak's going to get some interest, but he's a backup. People are not going to look at him. Unfortunately, yes, he could handle a number one job, but they're not going to see him as a number one. Same thing with Hudobin. I, Here's the thing with um, Dadanov is. Um, go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. Um, where was I? Uh, Here's the you thing with Halak. You said. You said. Here's the thing oh, with Halak. If teams are actually going to be sensible and go with a 50-30 split or something in that range. Halak can absolutely handle 50 games, but if teams are going to insist that their number one has to play 65 games, there's not very many teams, that, uh, not very many goaltenders who can play that number at an elite level. Um, I completely agree. He he needs to be in a two goalie system like he is here. Um, if you want to put, if that you want to put that. either of them into a two goal uh, into a goal, two goalie system and have them play. 45, 55 game range. What if he Either just one signed? Of them is going to get you very solid numbers. What if he just signed both of them and just realistically alternate them back and forth every night? Every, uh, other night, every other game. I think every other night is probably not produ- productive. I think we've seen we've seen teams do that and it just never works out. There there really has to be a split for the mentality of the players. And Even if they don't uh, like the split, it has to exist. And that's why that's why periodically Tuca will get two games in a row because Boston, for the for all intents and purposes, was doing the fifty fifty every other game for a good month and a half, two months of of, of the season, December and January, or most of or end of November, December, January. Except when Tuco was out hurt with his concussion. But they've been pretty much going back and forth one one one, you know. I just I, I I'm having issues with I mean Dadanov is he's a good right winger. I mean On a better team or on a team with more useful Okay, on a team with a higher and more consistent level of competitiveness, Evgeny Dadadnov is a household name. Uh, 
he's 31 years old. He's 279 games, 201 points. Uh, he's not the prolific. I mean, he's not the. This is only his third season in the NHL. Uh, yes. No, I, wait. Uh, well, technically, no. I guess it's his fifth, play, or, his fifth yeah. or sixth, but he hasn't played. His first three years in the NHL, he played four games, 36 games, 15 games. And then he disappeared to Russia for a while. Look at his production since he's come back. 28, 28, and 25, and just uh, so far with 68 games. Okay. I'm not going to squeeze him into my top three, but I'll, I'll give you Dadanov on a different team. He's probably more of a household name. So you got Dadanov. You've got. Did you go with Petrangelo or Tori Krug? You were talking about Petrangelo being older and and whatnot. Yes, I went with the younger player. You went with Tori Krug. Okay. Who's your third? As I said. I, were you not listening? I said Robin Leonard. Oh, okay. Good. As long as you got Robin up there. Okay, All then. Right. Fair enough. So you went with a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. I'm going with two defensemen and a goalie. And I think we actually have covered everything uh, this week. The only thing I just want to mention really briefly, we got plen- uh, a minute, is Johnny Boychuk took Johnny Boychuk took a skate to the face back on March. Was it eighth, fourth? Uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, nasty, nasty, nasty thing. Uh, but based on Lou Lamorello's uh, uh, announcement and his update and Johnny Boychuk's tweet. He is doing a hell of a lot better. Thankfully, the cut only cut his eyelid. If that doesn't scare you, (laughs) it should. Uh, Apparently, it took some 90 stitches after surgery to close up the wound. But he says he is doing better. Um, I thought it was great that he joked in his tweet. He wrote, thank you to everyone for the positive messages and thoughts. I am extremely grateful. Please know they did not go unheard. Luckily for me, the skate only cut my eyelid. Sorry for the late response. Facial recognition wasn't working. (laughs) Thank you again, my friends, Johnny B. Uh, Nice that he's thrown in a little joke there because I'm sure there's some swelling and and whatnot with with the surgery and he is the third player to be cut by a skate this season. So when are they going to start regulating what kind of skates uh, the players can wear? <laughs> well, they just need to stop filling them with helium. Oh, okay. Yeah, Casey yeah. Sadiq has got a cut on his leg, uh, and Brendan Perlini took a skate to the right side of his face. Thankfully, they're all, they are healed, and Johnny Boy sounds like he's on the mend as well, so... Prayers and thoughts going out. Hope everything heals up and that you'll be back on the ice soon. Okay. Uh, that is everything. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as always, our mailbag is open. Those two, uh, TWO at um, twomanforcheck.com. Uh, you can hit either one of us on Twitter. 
our Facebook page uh, slash uh, Two Man Four Check. Uh, always there. Uh, we love having mailbag items. Uh, it lets us know what people are listening to. And if you can't, uh, if your friends are Spotify fanatics, uh, they should be able to get our show there. Uh, if not now, then very, very soon. Uh, based on, based on what I've seen, we are, we are already connected to Spotify. So our show should be showing up there. Awesome. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Uh, The playoffs are coming. The playoffs are coming. The playoffs are coming.